Like I, I don't look back at it as a, as a regret. I look back at it as a learning experience because that's how I stay sane. <laughs> that's what I think that I love about what I do in the music industry. They're going to come and have the times of their lives. We have to make it perfect. But I remember him like look at looking down and he was like bending down on his knees with his fingers in his ears. Like, oh my God, this is Armageddon. <laughs> and that's what I really love about living here in Boise is I'm literally at the foothills of all of that access. If you really love nature, you're going to really love hunting. I will tell you that. Like, you will really love it. Hey, everybody. My name is Michael Inch, and you're listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. There's a lot of people that can pull the trigger on an animal, but they don't know what to do with it after. If you would have told me that a stupid turkey was going to make me get that excited, I would have told you you were crazy. It's just a skill that you have to perfect over a lot of years. Hunting is a tribal activity. We've lost the tribe. We can't even hunt together anymore. Well, the people that are anti-hunting are usually pro-abortion. So kill the people, save the animals. I just remember riding my horse back to camp with the northern lights and the moose behind me, and I'm like, this is why I've done this. This is as cool as an experience as I will get. Hi, this is Jim Shockey. This is Sam Sohol, the public land bus guy. Hi, I'm Kimmy Greentree. Hi, this is South Cox with the Western Bowhunter Podcast. Hey, this is Ben Dedamonte, a.k.a. Shed Crazy. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I also getting on to today's episode. I am driving out to Bozeman, Montana for Western Hunting Summit. And uh, I am, rather than uh, making a, I don't know, 18, 20 hour drive all in one go, I am stopping in to uh, meet up with my good buddy, Mike, here in Boise, Idaho, hanging out with him. Uh, we're talking. We're having a couple of beers. Uh, his dog, Mr. Mustache, uh, is also hanging out, so you may you may hear dog crawling all over us and the microphones at some point, but Mike, I'm glad we finally uh, 
Yeah, man. Thank you. This is uh, it's an honor, man. Like, I don't know. You're... With all the times we like sat and talked and just shot the shit, I don't know why we haven't recorded a podcast yet. It it hasn't been time. Obviously, this uh, is the time. Apparently not. And so, the last time I was here, sitting on this couch, <laughs> um, it was a very very different time. Uh, a few years ago, um, I had just uh, come out of the mountains in uh in idaho after a very very disastrous elk hunting trip man you were hurting dude like your knees were messed up remember we we sent you to a local hospital to get your knees checked and they said yeah dude you're done like you gotta (laughs) i I felt so bad for you man because just coming off of a hunt and yeah it it was tough and i was like god man poor sam (laughs) that was that was it. I mean, that just feels like a completely different lifetime ago. I was talking yeah. with a few people about that on on Instagram because I just posted recently like a picture. I went on like an attempt at a hunt one time, you know, uh, in uh, in the San Gabriel Mountains outside of L.A. And I just posted up that picture, and a lot of people were like, "Man, I remember this!" Like they'd been following me yeah. back then. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah, man. I, that was one of your first hunts, though, wasn't it? it was the, like, well. It, I, I still count that elk hunt as my very first, right. like, real hunt. Like, I'd sat in a tree stand once or twice prior to that. Like, right. I went. But that was this, that takes it to another level when you're mm-hmm. packing in yourself and doing it all yourself. And then the snow comes. <laughs> well, it was, like, in the 70s up until then. Right. And then, like, I get out and, like, the day as I'm driving out, it's like, oh, giant snowstorm. I better go to Sportsman's Warehouse and buy some stuff. <laughs> you didn't quite have I've the gear there. set up I do now, yeah. Yeah, I've been there. But, but yeah, so Mike and I know each other from uh, from work. Um, yep, we produced music, a big music festival together. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. You probably never heard of it. <laughs> Produced a, a few big music festivals together, actually, right. yeah, um, yeah, in, yeah. in various capacities. But uh, uh, I don't even know how we met original like i can't even remember it just feels like i've just kind of always known you at this point yeah well it's it's funny you know my job at that show is everybody has to come to see me Mm -hmm. everybody has to come to see me and it's one of those unique positions where i get to meet a lot of different people and connect with different people and you know i've been there this would have been my 18th year this year And so I know a lot of people at that show and you were a new guy to me and everybody called you country Sam. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to get to know country Sam. You know, I live in Boise. I grew up in California, but I live in Boise now and I'm an avid outdoorsman, fisherman, up and game hunter. I got my GSP, Mr. Mustache, who Sam warned you about, but um, he's just running yeah. across the room with his football right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just one of those things. Like I'm I'm in that lucky position that mm-hmm. I get to pick. You know, if there's somebody that piques my interest and I want to get to know him, obviously you were one of those guys that I said, okay, I want to get to know this guy. Well, and coming into like coming into a family like that because it's it is such a, a family group, especially that core group that's there every right. year. Um, you come in and. When you're the new guy, it's the thing like you're meeting 800 new people and uh, 
you're meeting like 800 new people, but right. all of them are just meeting like one or two. They're meeting of the me. new people. And it's like, so, you know, you walk in and everyone's like, hey, and especially when you got weird, weird nickname. Yeah. Because they used to call me the diversity hire. Uh, Fold and <laughs> Fold and Gopi used to call me the diversity hire. Um, there's not a lot of country fans. Oh my gosh! And we put on the biggest country music festival. <laughs> I know. Only. Um, and it's uh, you know there was only a handful handful yeah. of country music fans. Yeah. Very avid country music fans. But yep. Um, yeah. So that's how I got the nickname. Hired a bunch of Sams at once. Um, yeah. And uh, it got really confusing. And, yes. I mean, go, we tried everything on the team. There was like Sam versus Samuel and, uh, <laughs> you know, last names. And nothing stuck until I rolled in in cowboy boots and a, and a pearl snap one day um, with a big old knife on my belt. And, <laughs> you wore that knife well. Oh, my gosh. Well, and that was the thing. It turned into a character that I right. just built into. Yeah. No, I, um, I totally got it, too. And you lived that character, man. It was great. Absolutely. You got to do that. Like you got to, that's kind of that industry, you know, mm-hmm. you got to stand out somehow. And I gave you, give you total props for doing that. Cause you really did. It so, was cool. so Mike and I know each other from a lot of different aspects. And so we have no idea where this podcast is going to end up. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit about hunting, but of course, um, I do always like to ask, uh, and I kind of start out my podcast this way. How did you get introduced to like the outdoors hunting, uh, because you did, and it's I, especially from your perspective, you grew up in California. You grew up in Orange County. I did. Um, Laguna Beach. And there's, you know, people, uh, you know, people think SoCal and they're like, oh, there's no hunting down there. There's right. actually a lot of opportunity down there. Right. But uh, how did you get introduced to all of this? You know, I'm, I'm super fortunate. My parents were school teachers and they chose to buy, they went up to visit a friend in Ketchum, Idaho and saw this little cabin for sale called on it It was for $14,000 in West Ketchum the rancher that owned it was from a town about 100 miles away the rancher carried the note so my dad put a down payment down and paid the guy $100 a month until it was paid off but now we're down in West Ketchum and you know as school teachers my parents had bought it were fortunate enough when you could do it um, my parents bought a house in Laguna Beach California and they bought a house in Ketchum, Idaho in the same year. Who can do that these days? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't. Especially school you, teachers. Yeah. You, no, there's no way in hell, you know, um, you can do that. So, you know, my dad's resourceful for sort. So he would rent our house out in Laguna for the summer. And there was a superior court judge from, from L.A. County that would come down and rent it every summer. But that would finance our vacation to Ketchum. So I grew up, literally grew up fly fishing, hunting the whole thing from the time that I don't know how, how old I was. Like that's my first memories are fly fishing. I was good at it. I remember I had this technique that I, when I would cast and catch a fish, get the fish on. And I had this thing where I'd pull the, pull the line back and put it in my teeth and hold it and pull again and hold at my teeth and pull like that was just what worked for me at that time. I've since, you know, I don't do that anymore, but man, um, I grew up just loving that stuff and also growing up a surfer and you know, and you're a surfer, you're in nature. You are in nature more than anybody. And I don't care, you know, everybody's hunters, everybody's outdoorsmen, but surfers are actually in nature. That's what, fuels our thing 
I get the same joy and thrill of standing in the water and reading the currents and going, where's that fish? Where can I put my fly just perfectly? So it, it trickles down out of the ripple into where the fish is. So it thinks that it's a live bug. And I get the same joy out of that, that I do sitting in the lineup in the ocean going, okay, where's that next set wave coming? Where's, mm-hmm. where am I going to go for that? I, I get the same, it's, Exact How's it going to build? Same. When do I need to yeah. start paddling? Yes, you know? yeah, it's the exact same thing. And like, man, I've 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 run into a lot of former beach people that are now mountain people. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're so similar, but they're so different. But it's all about nature. You know, it's all about getting yeah. out there and experiencing it. Well, and that's like, I mean, you know, you're talking to a person that did that. Like I, yeah. you know, I didn't, I actually didn't grow up surfing for a kid that grew up in seal beach on, you know, effectively on the beach all the time. Yeah. I didn't surf until well after college, but that was hunting now, especially bow hunting has taken the place of that. And especially like surfing and hunting are two of those things to where you can be alone and, and quiet and still and with your thoughts, but you can't get lost because you still have to be focused and you have to be active in the situation. Mm-hmm. Cause if you're just sitting there and you're just daydreaming on your board, you're going to, you're going to start floating in without realizing it. You're going to get tossed by that wave. You you're you're going to be right in the, in the break zone and you're going to get smushed and you can't have that happen. Exactly. Same thing with honey. You know, you're, you're walking through the forest. You're just do, 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 do daydreaming. You you're can't blow every elk or every, you, deer or you're gonna you know you're not gonna be ready with your shotgun when uh that those quails pop out of the story a story i told you earlier about one of my first hunting trips elk hunting trips is hiked up to ten thousand feet outside of ketchum and we saw them they bedded down and just got to be midday you know and i'm going okay i'm kind of bored i want to go out and just walk around my biggest mistake is i didn't chamber around (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like man how do you make that mistake but you know you live and you learn so i come up over like we're at this top of this ridge and i come over just to the other side of it and there's the entire herd just bedded down and i don't have a round chambered and man i tried to back down and you know got out of sight and then i heard them just all of them just they all just took off straight down the mountainside and there was nothing I could do after that. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those situations you go, well, you know, one of the first time trips you got, like, I don't look back at it as a, as a regret. I look back at it as a learning experience because mm-hmm. that's how I stay sane. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I posted about this, uh, I think just as a, you know, the time we're recording this, like a day or two ago, I'd posted a fly fishing picture and, you know, I'm still haven't caught anything on a fly. And, you know, I was excited. I went out, uh, last night and I got my first, uh, first few strikes on a fly. Um, and it was on a dry fly, which was cool too. Nice. Um, it's fun to see that. And it's, you know, it, the dry flies are fun. Cause it's always, you know, it's, it's more visually action packed, you know, it's not as much of a black hole down there, but, um, you know, I posted something about, you know, if you learn to love the process and the journey rather th- and invest in that rather than just the end result, you're going to have a lot more fun. A lot what more you're fun. Doing. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. Like, 
the process does get old if you never have an end result. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not gonna be one of those ones that claims like you know, oh, I would be happy if I never killed anything ever and I was just no, out hunting. No, I'm like, that's no, that's the, some no. that's some bull crap right there. We, we we all like I love to be able to the reason I hunt is I love to be able to fill my freezer with stuff that I know is natural. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff that that I've had to work my butt off to go get and you know, that's the appeal to me is how I feel myself. And I love it. I, I love nature is my, uh, I don't know. It's my shrine. It's how I, it's where I feel most whole, you know? Um, when I was a kid, my dad and I used to go surfing every Sunday and we went to this place called churches, which was a, a great surf break just South of Trestles in California. And, and, you know, so every Sunday I'd go to churches with my dad, but we would go out and surf together and be a part of nature and have dolphins and whales and seals and anything else that was out there come by, sharks even, um, come out and, you know, you'd see them and, you know, it's like you got to be conscious of your surroundings just like you are when you're out hunting an elk or a deer or antelope or bighorn sheep, bear, or whatever you want. And I'll, I'll tell you what, like, it, you know, there's, it's amazing. Like seeing an elk, like you're walking through the woods, you call in an elk or, you know, you're walking through, you see a, a black bear with their cubs in the distance. Like that's amazing. But there's also something that's almost uncomparable about catching a wave, looking over into the wave and literally seeing a dolphin. You're also reminded how big those suckers are, and if that thing They're decided huge. to jump out, you'd be screwed. They're huge. But, like, looking over and seeing a dolphin or just – or having a – like, paddling into a wave. And I had a buddy who had uh, seals think his fins were uh, – he was uh, bodyboarding. <laughs> he thought his fins were fish, and he got yanked off his bodyboard because he looked down, and there's, like, a, a little nip out of his thing. I mean, I've had seals come up and, like, bark at me and, like, try and climb on the board. One time at churches, the place I just told you about – I was out there and literally a dolphin surfaced five feet from me. I was so scared. I fell over off my board (laughs) Yep. because I was like, oh, my gosh, that thing's huge. What is it? And it's still a dolphin. But when there's dolphins around, you don't got to worry about sharks because sharks will destroy a dolphin. Dolphins will destroy a shark every day. Well, they'll like protect groups of humans. That's one of those crazy things like. They will adopt surfers and, like, yep. herd them away from sharks, which I think is cool. But, yeah, man, like, that investment in nature. And I've surfed churches, too. I used to uh, – I'd go down there with some uh, uh, with some friends. We'd do, like, a weekend camping trip down there. Down to San Onofre um, area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just south of – we'd go down south of San O and pack up in – Trails. That's, that's yep. the – yeah, trails. Yeah, we'd, we'd camp at the top, and you take – it's a long walk down, so you take your board, you take all your food, and you're down there from, like, sunrise to yep. – it's too dark to catch any more waves and then some. You didn't know there's, like, a nude beach at Trails, right? Did you guys camp at the nude beach? No, we did not. Okay. I had no idea there was a nude beach down there. <laughs> just, um, just saying. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> funny enough, my, my buddy that I used to go surfing surfing with down there all the time, he lives up in Coeur d'Alene. Oh, nice. Uh, he's the guy I always I typically visit when I'm coming through going to Montana because I always right. go through there. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, man, back in my 20s, those are the days. Yeah. We also used to do night surfing at the Huntington Beach Pier in the middle of December. 
or just whenever there was a full moon, we'd meet up at Huntington Beach Pier because there was between the full moon and the pier, there was enough light on the water. We each had a colored LED, like waterproof LED on the back of our wetsuit so we could see where each other were. And it was just one of those cool things. You'd just be sitting out. Sitting out on your board, you couldn't quite see when the waves would be coming in. Gotta go, but you'd feel the back of your board rise, and you're like, "Oh, I guess we're going." You start paddling. Gotta go. Yep, I've been there many times. Back in in the '80s, we didn't have the LED lights, and we would just (laughs) we would just go out and surf by the moonlight. It it was, you know, full moons were just the thing. If the waves were right, couldn't be too big because you didn't want it to be too. You know, you didn't want to die out there. But it's really funny the looks you get from people walking the pier when they. They kind of look down, like they'll look to like admire the the scene. Then they're like, "Wait, you you just follow the whole thought process." They're like, "Wait, is there somebody down there?" Yeah. And then then you can almost count it down before they're like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> yes, super Dude. true. We had somebody offer to throw us a sweatshirt one time. I'm like, I don't think that's really gonna be helpful, but thank you. Because I'm cold. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate the thought, but yeah, it's not gonna really help. Yeah, hunting is definitely has very definitely kind of because uh, surfing is not quite as accessible <laughs> as it no, used to be. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, like it's it's like unless you're on the coast, you can't surf. Yeah. Well, now Kelly Slater has built his wave pool, and yeah, there's places. There's actually in uh, I think it's in but Missoula. That's a, that's a template that's going to be. We can actually surf here in Boise too. In Missoula, I I, can't, I think it's in Missoula. It's either Missoula or Bozeman. There is a, a spot on the river. Where yes, you can, yes, yes, I've seen that. We well. have the same, we have the same thing here in, in Boise, and the same guys go back and forth. And there's a little, it's fun to see a little surf culture bloom inland. Yeah. You know, um, I my prior life was in the in the action sports industry, and when I first moved here, they had just opened the first wave in Boise, and they they had originally built it for kayakers. Okay. And then there were so many transplanted surfers that came here that, man, like every day I went out there to surf, there were 15 to one surfers to kayakers. And it's all super cool. Everybody's super nice. You know, we make sure like you're in line and the kayaker gets in line. It's his, their turn. You let the kayaker go and, you know, mm-hmm. they do their thing and then they get washed out and then you jump in and you get washed out. And it's a thing. The one thing that really got me about surfing the the Boise River is when you get pinned by the water, like when you fall and the water pins you to the the bottom of whatever surface you're on. If you're in the ocean, the wave passes you over and you can get up. Yeah. When you're at a river, the wave never passes you over. It's just a universal wave. Yeah. There was one time I was sitting on the bottom waiting for the for the wave to go over me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this wave's not going to go over me. I actually have to physically try to get up right now. Mm -hmm. So I had to put my legs down and force myself up just to make sure I didn't get pinned on the bottom of the river forever. (laughs) So there's subtle differences, but it's generally the same. Yeah. You know, but I mean, you know, it's, I kind of, I kind of stopped doing that as I got away from, from the ocean. I, and, but I've realized hunting has, absolutely taken the place of what surfing used to offer me. Like you said, it's that, that time where you can get out of your head, you can be still and calm, but you, you can't get lost in your thoughts. You have to keep that focus. So honestly, like you want to, 
you want to cure anxiety, go surfing. You want to cure anxiety, go hunting. Like, get I, I up complete, in the mountains. Or fishing or whatever whatever mm-hmm. it is, as long as you're in nature. And that's that's my thing. I need to get outside and be in nature. That's my holy place. That's where I go to to feel whole and to have my best thoughts and feel refreshed and rejuvenated when I come back. Yes. It's so I go for a weekend and I'm out there and I'm doing my thing, but I get back that Sunday evening and I feel so like, just like full, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? You know, that feeling of being full, like I feel so full when I'm, when I get back, it's like, gosh, man, I was out in nature and I was doing all these things and I saw these awesome things and all these rad things happen and I was scared maybe at some point, mm-hmm. but that's always kind of the, the attraction, you know, it's like, yeah, I need that in my life. I just, uh, I'm not sure if you, I just had uh, Laura Zara. She's a survivalist. She's been on Naked Afraid. I just had her on the podcast and there's a right. line from that podcast that I just love. She's like, the more... It was something along the lines of, I'm probably going to butcher it, the more close calls I have with death, the more alive I feel. Right. Uh, And the more you try to crave those close calls because they keep you alive. And that's what I think that I love about what I do in the music industry is, man, we we have a finite amount of time to build something, to build a show for Mm -hmm. 130,000 people that they're going to come and have the times of their lives. We have to make it perfect. So we have, you know, and there's, it's never from our side, as you know, it's ne- it never goes oh, yeah. perfectly because there's so many different moving parts. And I, I, I love the points where it's like all hands on deck, like whoever it is, like you got to come out right now and help us do whatever we need to do because we need help to make this show happen. One of my favorite points is like right before gates open and literally everyone is like sprinting across the field. Yeah. Uh, You know, everything's falling apart. Signs aren't up. You know, things aren't hooked up. But these gates are about to open and, you know, a a few hundred thousand people or, you know, 50,000 people are going to come tearing in through these gates. And honestly, they're not going to give a crap if the set list on one, uh, on one, one tent sun, isn't, yeah, isn't, isn't perfect posted on all four sides. Like, um, you know, it's just, it's true. It's super true, but that's, but that's kind of the thrill of it that, you know, that's the thrill that I, I need in my life. That's why, you know, I, I live here in Boise and I have ultimate wilderness at my beck and call. You know, mm-hmm. I, I go, my favorite upland game hunting spot is a half an hour from my house. I can literally leave here where we're sitting on this couch and in a half an hour be bird hunting with my dog. Like that doesn't suck, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it doesn't suck. It's, it's fun. It's, it's why I got my guy because he's an ultimate hunter and it's, it's yeah. fills, fills, fills my soul, man. Fills my soul. Yeah, and last time I was here, he was just starting out. Um, he, I mean, he's still a pup, but he is uh, for sure. But yeah, it was like he was fresh off the fresh off the line when I yeah. when I came back. You had just got him, and he's been a fixture, of course. Yeah, at the festivals ever since. He's a bit of a mascot, but he is a. Uh, it's kind of my role there, though, too. You know, people like to like my my office is open for everybody to come in and 
sit down and that's one of the big things that I do is it's the safest place on the festival site yeah, too. safety meetings are a big thing and it's a real thing and you know like come out pet a dog you know have them lick you on the face when like if, when your whole world's crumbling at the show and <laughs> and you gotta come to like talk to somebody I'm you know fortunately it's kind of the role I've built uh I'm that guy you come and talk to and I, I cherish it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I enjoy helping people and I, that's why I love doing what I do. Cause I get to provide so much joy for so many people every year, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every year I get to have, you know, they get to leave their everyday life, whatever they're going through and go listen to some of their favorite bands and have a good time and not think about their daily life. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. that's, that's my juice, man. And that's why I've been fortunate enough to do this for the past 20 years. And I feel blessed to have been able to do it, you know? Um, yeah, it's just been a, a good ride. You know, we'll see after all this stuff, COVID and, and everything else that's going on in the world, like where we end up, but man, I still feel blessed and I'm still, you know, trying to do stuff now, even though we're in COVID and I realize the need for people to gather as humans Yeah, and there's people can't gather as humans right now. And it's affecting a lot of people. And I don't, you know, I'm one of those people that's going to be like, Hey, look, we're going to get you all back together. We're, we're going to, we're going to do yeah. this soon. You know, it's just, we got to follow, you know, proper protocol, proper safety measures and we're going to do it soon. I have no doubt about that. So speaking of the Upland game hunting, though. Yes. We've been talking about this. And, and I'm like the worst person because you you and I've got a couple other buddies who have like given me open invites for various like I've got uh, my buddy Andy has basically given me an open invite for hog hunting. Uh, down in like the Sonoma area, and nice. uh, you've effectively given me an open invite for upland game hunting anytime. I mean, for a couple of years now, and it's just uh, this year. I, I this year has got to be. It's got to happen. Like, hey, I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, you know, I got one festival in September, but it's act actually the weekend that that uh, bird hunting season opens this year. Oh, it's on opener? <laughs> yeah. Of but, course, of course. Uh, it's, you know, like, you got to give up some things to do other things. And, well, and you, you know, you got to be able to pay for the, uh, pay for the ammo somehow in the tags. Yep. Um, but, you know what? Yeah. And this is dude. my first year not working a full-time job. And, and, you know, I started up, uh, you know, quit my full-time job. And so this year is like my first time where I can, effectively work from anywhere you know and i can take the time if i need to and dump a bunch of stuff on my employees who are probably listening to this right now shaking their heads <laughs> guess what guys hey that's the that's the benefits of being the boss absolutely what's saying uh, shit rolls downhill yeah uh, <laughs> sorry guys i don't know you but i feel for you <laughs> yeah mike's worked with me a while he knows how difficult i am um <laughs> no you've always been easy <laughs> Hey, hey. Whoa. Whoa, whoa. Um, you weren't supposed to tell people about that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I got to gotta come out because I've my upland game hunting experience so far, the the extent of my upland game hunting, not counting turkey, which okay, right. don't really consider turkey upland game. And that's but. the thing. It's like it, 
quote unquote, yes, technically they are. Right. But like when somebody says upland game hunting, you're not. I, I don't technically think turkey. That turkey no, hunting. You're, turkey. you're thinking about chucker, but, pheasant, quail, mm-hmm. Hungarian partridge. Exactly. The, exactly. One thing I want to get into this year is. Uh, Oh, uh, what are the cranes? The, uh, the Sandhill cranes? Sandhill cranes. That's the the ribeye of the, the sky. The ribeye of the sky, yeah. The ribeye of the sky. That's something that I, because I, I know we have them come through here, and that's something I really want to pursue because they look tasty. And that's like that's like Randy Newberg's thing, isn't it? The, the I, ribeye of the sky. I think it's Randy I, Newberg that always talks I know he's big into grouse too. He'll derail an entire elk hunt if he sees a single grouse. Really? Yeah. He's like, which that that's fun. I you know what? I I take that back. Like I have hunted some grouse, but it's been always been on a hunt, and it's it's been like a a, a target of opportunity kind of a thing. Right. When I was in Colorado elk hunting uh, with my buddy Kelvin. We uh, we hammered some grouse. We were, I mean, we were taking a couple of couple of grouse a day and eating them that night. We were grouse are like good, and I'm sure. I mean, I know they've changed them up. There's like a dusky grouse and a blue grouse now. When I was growing up and you know going on camping trips with my family, my dad would walk by and we're going on a six mile hike up to you know above Timberline to go to this high mountain lake to go fishing and camp out and be a fam do a family thing. My dad would see a blue grouse and just go, boom. You know, he carried a little twenty-two revolver. Yep. Didn't need anything more than that. Just, okay, there's a blue grouse. Pink with his twenty-two revolver. Oh, and yeah. he would birdshot in it. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So we would uh we'd have that for dinner, plus the trout we caught at the High Mountain Lake. And it it was it was good times, man. Oh, you yeah. know, like it was good times. We were putting together it. You know, and the, well, and the grouse are so, depending on the grouse, I should say, and where they're at, but the ones we're running into were the dumbest birds I'd ever seen. They're not smart. What was he saying? Uh, he, he was saying, like, I guess the saying about grouse was uh, you have five grouse each above each other on, on a branch in a tree. Um, if you shoot from the bottom up, or if you shoot from the top down, you'll get one. If you shoot <laughs> from the bottom up, you'll get every single one. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I remember I shot one that there was, like, there's a whole whole bunch of them, and uh, I had my bow. It was we were all just using judo tips. Uh, we didn't have rifles with us. Hammered one with my bow, and it was uh, I didn't want to use I didn't want to use one of my broadheads because there was a bunch more, and you know I think we could have like two would or take three. Too much hand. meat out, anyways. Yeah, and it would just I mean it was just overkill. I mean half of the time they end up they keep going because it's so sharp it doesn't stun them at all. But I didn't want to use one of my broadheads. I'm like oh, I'll just take the one grass, whatever. Um, and so I start and I shot one off a log. The other one sat there. One flew off. The other one sat there and like looked down at the other one like, George, George, <laughs> what happened, George? What are you doing down there? And so I'm like, OK, hey, that was when I was bumming. I didn't have another judo tip. So I start walking up to go get my arrow and it's just still sitting there. And I get closer and it's just still sitting there. And I'm like five feet away at this point. I'm like determining it. I'm like looking around for a big rock. Or something, or I'm like, do I try and tackle it and just wring its neck? And finally, it flew off. But I'm like, these are the dumbest birds I've seen in my life, and they are tasty as hell. Yes, we did. We we would uh, we'd breast them out. We cut up the breast. We fried them up. I had like a little salt shaker with some different spices. Put that in, and then we did uh, like a mountain house chicken and rice nice. and a uh, uh, an Idaho and mashed potatoes. 
and mixed it all together, and it was like this casserole. Oh my! Like I'm drooling thinking about it right I'm, now. I'm hungry right now too. That sounds delicious. <laughs> um, there's some part of the when I turned, I think I was forty, probably forty. So my dad's been part of this group of guys that hunt sage grouse every year. Okay. This year, it's every opening day. It'll be in September. It'll be like their 58th year getting together. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like it's an old school thing. And there's cowboys. We have state senators. We have attorneys, doctors, everybody in between. Um, Bus drivers, the whole deal. They all, you know, but they're all old school friends. I got invited when I turned 40. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to the hunt. This is the thing. When I was a kid, my dad would take take off every September, October for a weekend to go spend time with these guys. When I got invited, it was just like, oh my gosh. And it's, yeah, a lot of them don't hunt sage grouse anymore, but there are a few of us that are still like, yeah, we're into it. We're going to get some birds. And, uh, it's just a fun weekend where we all come together, play a lot of cribbage, drink way too much alcohol, build way too, too big of a bonfire. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Like they just share stories and I feel very fortunate to be able to sit there and hear their stories of what they've done and who they are. And, you know, it's, it's just a special time. There was one year, it was one of the first years that I went out with the ultimate hunters, the bushes, uh, Gary Bush, the dad was a, a sniper in Vietnam and used to like his commander used to say, just go do your thing and he'd go out and come do his thing his he came back and was just the ultimate hunter and his son um is now lives up in montana and is the ultimate hunter guy you know like bow hunter everything and many times he can't come to the hunt because he's still hasn't filled his elk tag his archery (laughs) elk tag and but when he do it when he does i i i watch what he does i you know i try to learn Cause this guy's way better than I am and I'm trying to, you know, I don't want to necessarily be at his level, but how can I learn from this dude? Cause yeah. he is like, he is the dude, you know, like he's, his life revolves around it and it's pretty fucking rad. You're not necessarily going to be able to commit the same amount of time he does exactly. to learning that, but yeah. there's always something you can improve on yes. every time you talk to him. And Absolutely. Every time, or know. just by observing him going out yep. and watching just how he does and man they're hard chargers they they walk hard and fast and so what do i do now i walk hard and fast and i got my dog you know yeah circling around me too but we cover a lot of ground now so it's you know you learn some things along the way you know i went to i went to my first uh, ever deer camp this last year out in missouri uh, a buddy of mine from uh, the pomo organization invited me out and uh it was just, uh, it was awesome. It's just outside of, outside of the Ozarks, um, you know, just hanging out, coming back and like sitting around having dinner, sitting around the campfire, talking with these guys. And, you know, there's a huge variety of guys of all different backgrounds. And, you know, I did a, one of my favorite podcasts. It was just like campfire hunting stories from guys that have. That's amazing. Like storied history in right. hunting, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the guys they knew and, um, I want to develop something like that in my life, like a group of guys and something, you know, whether it's hunting camp or, you know, an upland game thing where everyone gets together, whatever it is, but just something every year that's, that's the tradition and it's the community and building that. And like, I want to, 
I want to build something like that. You know, yeah. I want to get there someday. Well, here, here's the thing. My, my whole deal with this hunt, hunt group is there's only, I'm like the second youngest guy there and I'm 50 and I want to, you know, make this be a thing. I don't want this thing to die when, yeah. cause all these guys now that come out every year, they're all in their seventies and eighties. And I, I don't want to see this tradition go away. And I've, kind of dropped some hints over the years to like the, the ringleaders who kind of organize the thing every year of, okay, we kind of need some new blood in here. Like, can I bring some qualified folks that aren't going to mess up the camaraderie and the, yeah. you know, like that aren't going to be jerks and they may not be the best shooters, but at least they're not, you they're, know, it's, there's, it's something to keep people. this, yeah, <laughs> keep, keep this tradition going because it's it's a super special thing and there's and I'm, i know there's plenty of hunt groups out there around the world around the country that are that do similar things but like 58 years man like that's a lot of time that's for all these guys tradition. to to get together every year and yeah we we do it and it's we, we get together on friday and play the Mackey golf course and it's nine hole course and we break up into teams and there's betting going on. And, you know, it's like a definite, like, yeah, we won. And you get like 20 bucks and you're like, yeah, I got your 20 bucks. And you hold it over on the whole weekend and that sort and of stuff. And then you probably end up buying them a beer with that 20 bucks later. But Well, yeah, no, it's, you know, there's, it's, it's all just good fun and camaraderie yeah. and just good times, you know? So, I do want to take it a little bit back to the music industry here. Okay. Um, a, another mutual connection of ours uh, who has gone on a hunt with you. And uh, I, I, I just love this story because the two of you tell it so differently. Yep. Um, and I think you know where I'm going. Exactly I do. Going I know exactly this. where you're going with and it. And I'll have to shoot him a text and, and let him know he has to listen to this podcast. But uh, <laughs> um, he was my former boss. He was the guy that hired me. Yeah. Uh, but went on a it was a chucker hunt with you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Upland game hunt because there's yeah. there's hun and hunt huns and quail and chucker in the same area, and we just happened to come on come upon some chucker. <laughs> so so as he tells it, <laughs> <laughs> as he tells it, uh, you guys were were out walking, and then just out of nowhere, you were shooting like straight at him and. Uh, and it was this horrifying experience. Well, that's, you know, you get a city kid and, just, you know, he and Samson and Leo all drove mm. up in 2011. And I will give Gopi credit where credit's due. Yeah. He is one of the most open people to conversations yes. and yes. experiences than anyone I know. It wasn't absolutely. And, and he's like him... a full on city guy. Yep. I give him full credit for coming out and living on the farm. I was living on a farm that way, that time, and we went out checker hunting. They came up in October, and it was checker hunting season. I was like, all right, let's go. So we went out and walked around for a while, and Samson and Leo are behind us a ways, and Gopi's keeping up with me. I didn't have a dog at that point, but I'd, what I would do is just find the water holes mm -hmm. and just make big circles around them. You know, I kind of still do that, but now I have a dog to cover more territory. Yeah. Um, so we came upon some chucker and he was literally right next to me. <laughs> the, he was not in front of me. And it might have sounded like it because, you know, you're not used you're a city yeah. kid, not used to hearing the loud shotgun blasts. And, you know, the birds flush and I'm right there with the gun. And 
start shooting and he's going, oh my God, what's going on? And you know, Gopi's voice too, you know, everybody, everybody <laughs> mocks Gopi's voice, but it's, you know, it's Gopi's voice. That's how he sounds. But yeah, he, he, he made a riot about that. Thought I was trying to kill him. And I was like, dude, you were next to me. You were nowhere in front of me, man. <laughs> you know, I would not have shot if you were in front of me. But I remember him like look at looking down and he was like bending down on his knees with his fingers in his ears. Like, oh my God, this is Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, okay, dude, it's not that bad, man. Oh, man. Yeah, he, tell, he tells it like uh, he was... He was in front of you, and you were just like, bah, 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 right over his head, like, kind of no. a thing. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 no. You know, I'm smart enough not to do that yeah. stuff. <laughs> you know, like, we're out trying to hunt, but we're not trying to kill anybody. And that's number one priority is being safe. Yeah. Know? So we're not about that, but it's... I could see how a city kid coming out for the first time hearing a gunshot blast right next to his ears going, oh, my God, you're trying to kill me. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely, though, this this year has to be. So this year, I'm determined I'm definitely doing waterfowl this year. Cool. I'm, like, without a doubt, 100%, if, it's, if it kills me. I've been looking into aluminum boats. I have a nine-horsepower motor right in my garage, and I've been looking into aluminum boats just nice. to do waterfowl. Dude, and just I know watch that, Craigslist. And they I know come this up dude, randomly. And I know this dude. They're so much cheaper in California. Like when I'm in California mm-hmm. for the show, I, I just check Craigslist, and they have like 12-foot aluminum boats with the motor and a trailer for like 800 bucks. Yeah, it's uh, up, stupid. Up here, because people can't not, store them, especially like yeah, in the yeah, SoCal yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. People like have to move there, and they're like, "What yeah. the hell am I going to do with this big ass aluminum boat and right. trailer?" Yeah. Um, up here, they go for much more, but yeah. Well, it's supply and demand too. Yeah, you know, you don't exactly have as much it. demand down there. Yeah, that's exactly. Well, if you it. see one, let me know. I'll drive it out to you. Yeah. Um, Deal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, waterfowl this year, upland game. Yep. This year, I also am going to, I'm probably going to do something. I'm going to go somewhere and just e- either pick up like a leftover cow tag from somewhere or pick up like, you know, go out to Texas or something, pick up some doe tags or something where I can just go out clear some there. stuff down yep. and really fill the freezer. So well, then, let me I, know, you know, yeah, I, I want to do that. That's, I'm going to have time this year. There's no festivals. Yep. Yep. So, you know, take advantage of it. That is certainly the goal this year. Um, so we will we will have to definitely do some some upland game. Yep. Um, or even like I said, I want to check out the sandhill crane stuff and see. Those see, I think like, you have to apply for though, don't you? I do, but I don't think it's really difficult. At least here in Idaho, I've looked into it, and it's like a tag. Yeah. Okay. And I might be wrong on that, but that's my recollection. And I'm sure it's different. Each state, you know, each state will be different, whether it's an endorsement, a, a, just a tag or the counter tag or a, a draw tag. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know. Coming back hunting Idaho again. It's, <laughs> hey, you got you to gotta get that bitter taste out of your mouth, man. Yeah. Like Idaho's, you know, this is this state has 75 percent of Idaho is is open wilderness land, yeah. public public access. It's got the most public access in the lower 48, you know? And that's what I really love about living here in Boise is I'm literally at the foothills of all of that access, you know? And I I take full advantage. Two weeks ago, I have, I have two roommates living with me now. 
that are living and working with me that are out of work festival workers. So I took them up to about 7,500 feet east of Ketchum. And as we're driving up, there's all these antelope, like early in this, like early, like way up high. I'm going, aren't you guys supposed to be still down low? Yeah. You know, like what's going on here? Anyways, they say, do you think your dog would chase an antelope? And I said, yeah, absolutely chase one, but there's no way in hell he's going to catch one. You know, they're fast, second fastest animal on earth besides the cheetah. I kid you not. The next morning, I wake up early. Those guys are still in the tents. I stoke the fire, get the coffee going, and dog did his thing. And he's sitting there laying right next to me. I'm sitting in a chair drinking my coffee. And 30 yards from us, <laughs> a mom and a juvenile antelope. So it wasn't a baby baby. It, yeah. could still, it could still go. But literally, they came, you know, trotting in front of us 30 yards out. My dog looks at me and goes, can I? And I said, go get him. <laughs> you know, go get him. So he took off. He kind of cuts the cor cuts the angle on him, you know? So he ends up literally like three feet behind him. And my dog's fast. He's a yeah. GSP and he's a big GSP. Like he's a big boy. And man, once he got right behind him, like they took off, they put the afterburners on, man. Yeah. And it was like nothing. I'm sitting there creating, you know, yelling, screaming, going, Oh my gosh, look at this. Yeah. Cause these guys are still sleeping and I'm seeing what they just talked about the net, the, the day prior, yeah. like in lot, you know what I mean? Like, where do you get that? You know, we yeah. went up and I just sat there and I brought my, my knocks and I was just classing the mountainsides, you know, just as for fun, mm -hmm. you know, just what's up there. There's gotta be, goats and bigcorn sheep and you oh, know yeah. you could hear their rocks falling in the night well dude it one was of, one of the best things i ever bought was uh it's a, one of those window adapter tri uh window tripod adapters mm -hmm. um so you can throw a pair of binos or spotting scope and just you know for initial glassing like if you're right. on a hunting trip but even yeah, just like on a camping trip to go check stuff out, you know, you're driving and you, you know, pull, have a little pull off and you see a herd of elk or antelope or yeah. bighorn sheep up on a ridge or whatever it is. You can just sit there and admire them. And it's like it's so nice and easy. Uh, you just keep that thing in your like center console and you can strap whatever onto it. That's amazing, man. Dude, and it's like I love those things. Uh, one of the best purchases I ever made. But, yeah, because um, that's – when the weather turns good here in Idaho, it's been rainy for most of the spring. Um, we got that one weekend we went out. We got the one weekend that it was, I didn't have to wear anything more than a hoodie when we were up at 7,500 foot and there's snow all around us. Mm -hmm. Like it was a magical thing. Last couple of weekends have been, if had we been up there, we'd be probably in a couple feet of snow right now. Yeah. You know, so once the weather turns good, like that's my whole thing. Now that I'm not traveling, uh, hey man, I'm getting out in nature and I'm going to go, I'm taking my dog every Saturday or Sunday. I take him for a long uh, hike and I go explore new territory, yep. new chuck, chucker hunting territory. And I found some amazing water holes that I'm going to go back to in, during season. So I can, yeah, you know, when it gets dry, they need water. They're going to be yep. somewhere around there <laughs> so let's uh you know make time of where we are what we're doing absolutely all right 
So as we're kind of winding things down here, uh, somebody comes up to you, you know, they know they know you hunt. Maybe it's somebody from the music industry. You're at a festival, you know, you're you're renting someone a cart, and they're like, "Hey, man, I hear you like, I hear you're super into that hunting stuff. Like that always sounded so cool, but you know, I've just I got no background in it. I've never done any of this stuff before. There's like ton of a ton of stuff I got to learn. I don't I don't know if I can do something like that." What would you What would you tell that person? Oh, what would I tell them? It would depend on who the person would be. If they're a close enough friend, I'd say, "Come on up, you know, um, come on up, and let's just go do it." That's the only way you're going to get into it. Is just go do it. Get get rid of your inhibitions. Um, do some research, obviously. You know, like research where you're going to go, what you're going to do, who you're going to, you know, what you're hunting all that sort of stuff and just go out and do it. You know, that's like when I moved up here full time in 2006, I wasn't the most accomplished hunter. I wasn't, you know, I, I of course I was a fisherman cause I grew up fly fishing, but I didn't have that acumen as a skilled hunter. And man, since 2006, I've, I, and all I did was, you know, I, I had guns just, okay, I'm going to go do this. And I went out and did it. And through trial and error, I've gotten better and better and better. I still have a shit ton to learn. Mm-hmm. But every season, I get to be a better and better hunter. And I think that's the advice I would give is just just go do it. You know, just go do it. That's the only way you're really going to learn. Don't rely on other people to bring you out. Don't, don't rely on, like, getting the best spot or knowing the best spots. Go out and explore your best spots. You know, go just go get out in nature and do it. Mm-hmm. Like if if you really love nature, you're going to really love hunting. I will tell <laughs> you that. Like you will really love it. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's all I can say to somebody. Just go do it. All right. Folks wanted to find you online and follow along with you and Stash. Uh, geez. Mr. Mustache has an Instagram. It's Mr. Mustache zero four two zero twenty seventeen because that was his birthday okay so and mr mustache was already taken on instagram but yeah we do a little thing there it's not i don't update it often but now i might there you go (laughs) you know and, and it's all about him and his festival world and also him and his his element of hunting birds there we go so it's a nice you know there's two things to it it's funny that people, you know, from our world, not a lot of hunters, you know, not a, well, let's just say, uh, there's a few, the, com- there, the company few we us. worked for runs a, a vegan beer and food festival. Yeah. So there tends to be, there can often be a very anti-sentiment yeah. at times, but you know, I, I never, ever feel any negativity about that. You know what I mean? Like, I never have felt that negativity. It's all about, all right, that's what you like. This is what I like. Like, good for you. And I say, good yeah. for you. You know, that's the kind of sentiment that, why I love that company so much is that's the sentiment we get. You know, I, I never, ever, I mean, you were in the office, obviously, more than I am. But I, I never have had anybody say, oh, my gosh, you're a hunter. I don't like you. I'd be like, mm. all right. Sorry. It was never quite that, but there there was the occasional comment in meetings. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. 
oh, probably have to go kill a mama bear and her cubs. <laughs> I believe was the phrase that was used. <laughs> but it's like, no. My, you know, the people don't understand. My response was... We're, we're not bloodthirsty yeah. killers. My it's response was, that. no, the uh, the daddy bears actually take care of that. I don't yeah. do that. Yeah, it's and that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> also... Yeah. You have a podcast coming out. I do. If you want to give a, just a quick announcement, a I don't quick, think stuff's not up yet. No, but not for yet. If people but want it, to check it, it will out. be soon. It's it's going to call be called the Safety Meeting with Inch. My my name is Michael Inch. Everybody knows there's so many Michaels that I go by my last name Inch. It's E N S C H. Um, it'll be on all the networks and yeah, all the it, things, be, all the yeah, places. And it, it's going to be about music festival production. That was my original thought, but now that we're in this whole time when the industry is not going to come back for a while. It's going to be how, what people are doing to usher this back in in a safe way. Like, how can we all come together as a, as a group, as a community? Because it really is a community, this festival community. Um, how we can bring it all back together and fast track it best we can. Being safe, being conscious, taking all the protocols. Like, what's that going to look like? So... It'll be exciting. It'll be something that I've wanted to do for a long time and just had the opportunity to do another podcast at, at a studio here in Boise and said, hey, I've got this thing that I've been working on or, or <laughs> had seven podcast, seven interviews in the can. And they said, yeah, we'll just partner 50-50 with you. And I said, done deal. There we go. So, you know, we'll see where, where that goes. But it's still in the infant, infant stages. And I'm excited about it. So I'm, something I'm going to do. So check out the safety meeting with Inch. Um, if you don't know what the safety meeting is, you'll just have to figure that out. Uh, that's uh, that, that one's for, for those in the know. But, Mike, dude, it was fun. Glad you were able to finally hop on. Thank Glad you we for sat having down and me, recorded man. This. I, I feel super honored. I've been, you know, admittedly I haven't listened to enough of your podcasts as I should have, but I've always followed you, what you're doing, and I always had great admiration for it of taking that step and doing it and – Pretty cool, man. Thank you, like, man. Pretty cool. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. 